love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Happy 2021, Iron Women podcast listeners. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I am here with my co-host, Haley Chura. We are ringing in the new year and back at podcasting. Haley, how has, what have you been up to these last couple of weeks? It's, I feel like it's been forever. I don't know when we ever go this long without talking to each other. We texted in between, Alyssa. Like, we we can't resist. You know I can't resist talking to you, but it's good to be back. I um, celebrated some strange holidays, I feel like. Not quite the same as other years, but, you know, it's 2021. It's a new year, and I'm hopeful that we're going to have a lot of parties coming up at the end of this year, and so um, I'll make up for lost time. But how about you? I saw your big news uh, that you tied for fourth in fastest known time of the year in 2020. What was it like to get that award? Congratulations. Thanks, Haley. It was great. It, I mean, this year, so I actually won the FKT of the year in 2018 when I did Vermont's long trail. And so I knew I was in the running again this year, but, um, you know, everyone could see the nominees list. And then I also, I'm actually on the voting panel. And so I actually had to like go through the process of placing votes this year. Right. And like, it was, I voted now, since 2018, so 2019. So this was my second year of voting. And last year's vote was like so much easier compared to this year's just because there have been so many FKTs set and like the bar was just so high for figuring out these like top slots. And I knew how much trouble I was having with it. And so I was just like quite honored to be among these athletes and these women. And I was pretty excited to be in a tie with the women that I was in a tie with for fourth. Um, They haven't announced the top two places yet, but I'm really excited to hear who they are. But it's just, yeah, I just feel like I'm in good company, but my lucky numbers for. So I felt like that was good too. Um, And if people want another podcast to listen to, I, I was on the FKT of the year where they podcast or the fastest known time podcast where they brought in the third place, fourth place and the male fifth place. They didn't do a female fifth place because we had the three way tie for fourth. Um, And they interview us. Everyone talks for like 10 or 15 minutes and it's really interesting. And I was like really inspired by it because just to hear some of these things that the other women were doing to like prepare for their FKTs that they set and it's like, man, I think some of the stuff I do is crazy. Like some of these women are crazy. Like that's nuts, you know? And then, but then of course you listen to it and you're like, hmm, but maybe I could do that. Right. Um, and it's also really interesting. I think like to, to offset the women's stories with the men's, like the common theme with listening to the women talk was definitely like, this was really scary for me. I had to overcome a lot of my fears and training to do these kinds of things and to be in the mountains alone and to do this kind of thing. And the men didn't really have that, that theme. Right. But it was cool to, you know, it's cool to think about what women are doing in the trail space these days and setting records. And yeah, I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of that. And so your fourth place, it was of course, uh, for your fastest known time on the 46 high peaks at the Adirondacks. If any of our listeners don't remember that we rebroadcasted your, your, uh, your 
interview about that uh, feat, I think over the holiday break and still an incredible feat. And then the other two women, Caitlin Gerben had run the Wonderland Trail, which is the trail around Mount Rainier. Yes. Mount Hood. Is that yep, Mount Rainier. <laughs> one of those, one of those mountains in uh, Washington. And who was the third woman? It was Sarah. And I always want to say a different last name, but Sarah Hansel. Um, and, or no, maybe she was third. Sarah Hansel was third for Nolan's. I was tied with, um, Caitlin and it's like escaping me. Who was the other Colorado trail? Michaela oh, yeah, Osler. Michaela. Yes. So, and she did that self-supported. So on the Colorado trail self-supported, which is like nuts. I think that's like a 10 day feat that she did. Um, and, yeah. So, oh, but Haley also, so on New Year's Eve, I was part of a, an online show. So I did this, um, the Trails Collective is a group based out of the Northeast. So they say from Virginia's North, which is like Virginia and West Virginia are the Virginias, I guess. So, and North, and they're kind of like a group, um, that, you know, is like a collaboration of races and runners on trails in the Northeast. And as I'm not, they have, um, I've been on their podcast before. They have like a YouTube channel with podcasts and, um, things like that. So they had interviewed me before and after the Adirondacks, I've gotten to know them a little bit, but they invited me to their new Year's show, which was like a live zoom meeting essentially. And I did like a trivia night, um, and was paired up with some other ultra runners in the Northeast. And like Mike Wardian was on one of the opposing teams and we played trivia. Uh, my team did not win. But that's okay. And it was, was a lot this of fun. Was like general trivia or was it like trail runner trivia? It was, it was not trivia at all, maybe is the answer to that. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> we just got around and chatted and it drank some beers, but we called it trivia. It was, um, they, they said it was going to be like, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me the NPR show, I guess the quiz show. So I had like listened to that. I was like ready and waiting. I had read some news. I had read some trail news cause I thought it was trivia. And then it was just questions. Like, I think our questions were like, if grass could be something else, like if all the grass in the world had to be replaced, what would you replace it with? Oh, so these are like thought exercises. Yes. Thought exercises. <laughs> and then like, or would you rather fight a, um, horse-sized duck or one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses did you also do the trolley problem right no and then like like, how do you kill a lion with chickens or something I don't know so anyway so it was it was not trivia it was thought exercises with these people but it was actually a lot of fun but my point in telling you this is that then at the end of that show they did the regional fkts of the year and I took the top spot there for the women Haley which was very congratulations can we (laughs) If if we did miss this, if we missed the show, can we watch a replay? Is that something we can a link we can drop in the show notes, or at least we can drop your podcast link in the show notes in case yeah. folks want to listen to that after they hear you talk about this. And I imagine there's going to be the announcements of the number one and two and three, or I guess they already announced three, but um, FKTs of the year. And by Thursday, those should be out as well. Where can we find all this information? So the best place, I feel like everyone's on Instagram. You can go to at fastest known time on Instagram or fastestknowntime.com. Um, they post all the stuff on their website. I try and post it on my story on Instagram, 
But yes, and then the the New Year's Eve show I'm talking about, you can find that um, on the Trails Collective if you search that on Facebook. It was like also live on Facebook throughout. So that's still up. I think people can watch and um, it was pretty fun. You know, I think um, it could fill some time if you're pedaling away on the trainer or something. Speaking of pedaling away on the trainer, I um, I watched this show that I think you'd like. Have you watched um, The Pack with Lindsey Vaughn on Amazon Prime? So I've made it through one episode. <laughs> I I haven't watched all of them, but I thought they were, it was cute. And it makes you, the only problem I've had, so the premise of this show is that these people are doing challenges with their dogs. It's like a Survivor-esque show, but you're like with your dog. And um, I like, it makes me want to just get off the bike and go cuddle with Cowboy. Like <laughs> that's my biggest problem. Cause I'm like, the dogs are so cute. But Cowboy's so good. Like you can actually probably see yourself doing some of these things with Cowboy. I mean, it's like I think of myself and Ramona trying to do these and like it would be it would uh, an adventure of another sort. That's for sure. Um, but it is a really cute premise. And I like Lindsay Vaughn. So um, so I do need to put that back into the rotation. There's some that Cowboy would not like even just like when they fly in in the beginning on hel- on like a helicopter. There's no way Cowboy would get on a helicopter. There's no way. But I mean, they do. They take very good care of these dogs. They've obviously gone through training, but they're like regular dogs. These aren't like dogs that are like highly trained like acrobats like actor dogs like they're pretty normal people and normal dogs but I haven't gotten through and honestly like the competition part like I feel like when you watch survivor shows you're like I want this person to win and it's really hard to pick a favorite mostly I'm like oh I just want to watch them play with their dogs because they're so cute and then you get kind of attached and you're like I don't know that's like it's a good mindless trainer show the other one I saw also on Amazon Prime um running for good with Fiona Oaks have you seen that one no, but that has been, it's in my queue. Yeah, you would like that one too. She's, uh, you know, it's right. It's it's the ultras and the animal love. That's like the theme of today's show. And then the other one um, we have coming up in a couple weeks, we're interviewing Carla Molinari, who the, her, she just set the world record for running from the entire length of Great Britain. And it's documented on YouTube on a documentary called Every Step. So if you google every step youtube carla molinari you can get ready for that interview we have coming up in a couple weeks also a great trainer trainer motivation show and Haley, we have a mailbag that's open for business in 2021 and if our listeners ever have questions write to us at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com you can send us life questions training questions any of the above we will um, bring you into the new year by giving you our best answers ironwomenpodcast at gmail for (laughs) at gmail.com um i know I'm, i'm i'm excited i feel ready to answer some questions so hopefully folks send in a few in the coming weeks but Alyssa, we also have a great interview this week we're kicking it off with a champion yes so not a lot of races happened this year Haley. but ironman florida and ironman 70.3 talon both happened and Kat Matthews won both of those. So we have her on the docket here. Kat is on the BMC triathlon team. She is a British professional triathlete and she was a lot of fun to talk to. I think we caught her in between Ironman Florida and Challenge Daytona. And so you can, you know, 
obviously you will you will recognize that we recorded this video several weeks ago, but it's a it's going to be fun. It should get you pumped up for racing again, kicking off the new year, big goals and um, all things triathlon. So we will hear from Kat after a word from our sponsors. Haley, I don't know about you, but I love starting off a new year with some renewed focus around building some healthy habits. They don't always stick, but when they do, it's great. I think our hydration habits were stuck long ago thanks to Noon Hydration. You're right. From Noon Sport to the Podium Series, Noon has been a part of our habits for years. But for our listeners, if you want to improve your own hydration habits, head to NoonLife.com and use the code LIVEFEISTY, that's all one word with a capital L and a capital F, for 30% off your order. This is Haley. I'm really excited to welcome a new Ironwoman podcast sponsor, Prevenix. Prevenix makes premium, clinically effective nutritional supplements that promote longevity, performance, and everyday health, and also donates vitamins to malnourished children with every customer order. My current favorite Prevenix product is Joint Health Plus. The main active ingredients are clinically proven to reduce joint pain, reduce joint stiffness, improve joint flexibility in seven to 10 days, and protect joint cartilage from breakdown during exercise. So whether joint pain has you moving a little slow at the door on your morning run, or you just wanna be sure you can keep the current pep in your step, head to Prevenix.com and use the code IRONWOMAN15 to get 15% off your order. If by chance you don't feel any benefits, Prevenix offers a 100% refund, no questions asked. That's Prevenex, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and discount code IRONWOMEN15. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's quite exciting. So we want to start out by saying congratulations on winning Ironman Florida. That was just a few weeks ago. And by the numbers, this was like almost as successful a day as one could probably have at Ironman because you had, I believe, the fastest swim, the fastest run, 258.29, the fastest T1 and T2 of the day for pro women, and the third fastest bike split of the group for pro women. So did you feel like things were unfolding pretty much perfectly as you were going about through the day? Um, I, de- I did in the swim. Like I, I, as soon as we started the swim, I was like, um, this is where I want to be. You know, I could see Meredith and I sort of noted that she had red sleeves um, and there was one other swimming swimmer. So I assume, you know, that was um, uh, and, I, and I and I was happy with the swim because obviously it was a two lap thing so but um then I got out on the bike and I was in the front from the lead uh like I think after basically mounting the bike and I just put a bit of an effort in to make a gap 
and then I just felt rubbish actually <laughs> like I spent maybe the first um like 45 minutes to an hour just being you know happy of being at the front this is fine and then for the rest of the ride I was like I was in turmoil like emotionally I was just like constantly lapping my gut I am um, my bike computer to um like try and refocus myself and just try and give myself another target like I don't know just do another 10 minutes like try and hold this power but all I could see was my speed being really rubbish because it was like into a headwind um and that my power was just like slowly dropping away um and yeah so the bike really wasn't fun for me um but it obviously still went okay um and then getting onto the run that's when things you know I had competition around me and it started to be a bit tactical but just a bit more of a mind game by that point this tactic of hitting lap during the bike. So can you tell us about that? Like breaking something up into a smaller chunk? Yeah, so I I all like would do it with everything basically. Like, you know, if say for example you're running a 10K, it's you know, it's four lots of two and a half K or something. So on the bike in the Ironman, it's not something I always do, but it's definitely a, like it's definitely a little tactic where on my computer I've got a separate bit for lap so if I am in that stage like I can do a bit of a, a lap or or even if I see someone and I'm trying to work out like the distance I can use that as a timer um, but the breaking it up bit is definitely just to you know refocus yourself and you know rather than think I've got four hours oh my goodness and then I've got another mar- I've got a marathon to run on the end it's just like okay 10 minutes 10 minutes 10 minutes or something like that. So you actually like hit the button and you're like, okay, 10 minutes from now, we'll try to hold whatever effort or we'll try to have a good attitude or something like that. Yeah. And also, so for example, like knowing the course, I knew that one of the out and backs was, I think it was like 7K and one of them was 17K. So by hitting the lap marker as well, like I know roughly how long I should be hitting, you know, at the end of the lap. And it just means that there's, you know, something else to think about. So it's not necessarily 10 minutes. It's just like a section. And then I've also got an average lap power. So then, so I'm then not looking at the slowly depreciating overall power. I'm just looking at, right, can I hold that re like reset, refocus, if that makes sense. And what about, you know, getting onto the run on those first few steps? Were you like, kind of like, oh no, I hope this doesn't feel like the bike. Or were you like, oh no, I've got this right away. How did that feel? So I honestly, like nearly every triathlon bar one I've done, as soon as I get on the run, I'm just in like complete happy, my happy place. Um, it just, I just feel so normal for me and I have so much confidence in my running in terms of like my control with my heart rate and just pacing that it doesn't scare me that much. Obviously a marathon is always pretty scary, but, um, no, with this one, I was, I was pretty happy. Like I went out a bit too fast as everybody does. Um, but I knew I was going to do that. Like that's normal. And so then I just sort of settled into my, like what I wanted to run. And it, it was an out and back course. So it was like 10, 10 K and a bit out. 10k and a bit back so you'd already done the half marathon by the time you got back to the, the sort of start line as such um and sky moench was on sort of i think she came deliberately fast very fast out of t2 to try and catch me um but then she stayed just behind me and so i was pretty happy with my heart rate really quite steady and pace was good that i just sort of cracked on and then she sort of slowly drifted back but um so yeah onto the run was fine and I, I actually, I had a bit of a low point into on the third 10K section, but it was slightly uphill and slightly into headwind. So I basically just told myself that that was okay and I'd make it up on the 
very slight downhill coming back to the finish, which I was actually able to do and sort of like, I think I did a, like a really um, negative split. So I think it was like 41 minutes for that last 10K, which I was really happy with. Very nice. And in an Ironman marathon, in any marathon, you, you notice every like incline, one degree makes a difference. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but Kat, you said in a recent interview after Florida that even now, 10 days later, you're thoroughly embracing what it meant to you and your support team and the confidence it gave you going forward. You said that it, you thought it was important for your mental health and general happiness to appreciate the now as well as always seeking those future goals. So what does appreciating the now mean? Was that during the race, during those last 10 Ks, were you appreciating that moment and the fact that you were going to win your first Ironman? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I think the last 10 K was just a tunnel vision uh, finish line. Um, it wasn't until maybe the last sort of, I think it was maybe about 800 meters of a sort of finish line, wiggle for a car park, uh, completely crowdless um, finish that I was like, actually, oh my goodness, like I have, I've won this and I've done it. I've like achieved all my goals in the race, which is like a really, like really rewarding place to be. And that was, I think, I still think that that was quite a conscious decision in that last 10K. Like I, I had the course record as in I knew what it was and I knew I wanted to run under three hours for the marathon. And and I remember thinking with like five, six K to go, I was like, I can either just settle down and enjoy this. Like Sky had dropped maybe five minutes back at this point, or I can just keep pushing on and get the marathon time I want and get the course record like it's up to me. And so then finishing and having made that decision and being really happy of that. Yeah. Like at the finish and for then hours and hours afterwards obviously that was like a pretty happy pretty happy place but um the last two weeks it's I mean it is it's definitely tailing off now in terms of that endorphin rush but um I think it's just like not letting myself get stressed about you know what's going on at the moment and just keep sort of rewarding myself like emotionally with the fact that I had have trained so well for it and succeeded and that I need to like remember that feeling of success like going into this next sort of phase and next year like just sort of taking on those good things and like turning them into confidence rather than just you know immediate endorphin hits and then okay cool what's next which I think some, sometimes we're quite guilty of doing. I, I love that kind of higher level picture too but I have to say I'm interested in like anything you know in the week after the race or anything was there anything particularly in America that you found I love when I'm traveling abroad and you know after a race it's like fun to do you know go to the bakeries go find like you know whatever treats New Zealand has that people are eating or something like that right so is there a particular American treat that you've been indulging on to celebrate the win since you've been <laughs> in the U.S.? Um, I think like we made the most of the beaches down in um, Panama City uh, like just being able to wander down to the beach and get in and have a little float around with no training aim that was really nice um but yeah they had some really good cafes down there sort of open air you know grab a quick coffee sit outside there's no risk of um you know uh sort of containment with regards to the virus and i think um we definitely i'm talking the same we ruth astle and i who you interviewed um yeah we definitely had quite a few cinnamon buns <laughs> They were they were a nice little local delicacy that we indulged in, but um, we it was hard because obviously this race was leading into Daytona, and so 
we indulged, we had a couple of nice sort of cocktaily nights, but at the same time, we didn't want to overdo it because we were still trying to like absolutely optimize our recovery. But for me, I am so intent on getting home back to the UK in the middle of December and just properly indulging. You'll get a proper, that is that proper indulgence in December. So can you tell us a little bit about what these four weeks in between Ironman Florida and Challenge Daytona, what, what they'll look like? Cause obviously, like you said, Florida was a huge win for you, but Daytona is, is not a small race. It's probably the biggest race we have this year. $1.15 million prize purse. What has been your approach to training and keeping yourself motivated through Daytona? So my training has been very limited. Um, I I still feel like I'm quite new to the sort of Ironman game as such. And my coach, he's very experienced as an age group coach. And he's sort of, and himself, he's like, he's seen, you know, how it goes wrong if people try and come back too quick. So for me, I really cut down. I barely did anything other than a few really low intensity cycles and swims in the first week. And I was actually a bit ill. I, I think I had some sort of delayed tummy problems just with the general sort of digestion that goes through with an Ironman. Um, and then the week after I did just a little bit more, but everything up until maybe the Friday. So like day 12, day 13, I was still doing all of it was zone two. And then I started to introduce just a little bit of intensity at the end of the week. And now coming into week three, I've got a bit of a, let's try and get some sort of race specific work in the training plan. Um, but it's still uh, maybe only sort of 12, 12 hours or so. And then again, then it's table, like it's race week. So then it's just about sort of, sort of honing in on some, um, some really sort of short, sharp stuff. But I think, um, with the training, I've definitely focused on recovery rather than the idea of trying to get any fitter. It's just about recovering and hopefully the stress of, um, the race itself in terms of like the training value will then be sort of reaped in the future. And I'm, again, I'm quite lucky as well. Like I, I think I've got quite a lot of that speed already sort of innately in me as an athlete, rather than being a sort of traditional Ironman athlete, perhaps. Um, so I'm not too worried about like the shorter distance bit. It will just be the swim, obviously, because that's a bit biased in terms of being slightly longer. Um, so yeah, that's, that's training wise. And then like mentally preparing, like motivation wise, it's been quite tough. I, I've definitely, the last couple of days, like I have found it a bit of a drag um, in that sort of, I'm a bit bored of this now. Like I just want to race and then have my time off. Um, I think that's normal. I'm hoping that's normal. That's why I always just squish down the time to do one, one week apart. So then you, <laughs> you don't get bored in between. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we want to talk to you a little bit about your other job outside of professional triathlon. Um, I believe you are a captain in the British army as a physiotherapist officer. So can you tell us a little bit about how being a professional triathlete works when you are also serving in the army? Yes, it's a really unique situation. Um, I joined the army in the UK, obviously in 2014. And so I've been in for six years and I spent the first four and a bit of that working full time as a physiotherapist in our sort of big rehab center, Headley Court, which was obviously actively involved in a lot of the um, complex traumas that came back from our Afghan and Iraq wars. And then uh, moved into a sort of more acute trauma hospital setting again, um, like for another two years. And then it was during this when I was in working in the hospital in actually respiratory, which is basically what's going on at the moment with COVID. Um, I was able to cut down my hours just by about eight to 10 hours. And so 
this was a local agreement with me and my boss in the army um and then during that sort of those three months that was when i had my sort of what you call as a breakthrough race where i was able to qualify for my professional license and actually coinciding with that although they were completely separate like there was no um you've done this so you can have this if that makes sense the army had also decided that through british triathlon the national governing body that i could basically step away from my full-time role as a physio and they'd allow me time to train for triathlon because they saw that I had sort of world-class potential. Um, so then I was, now, then and now, I basically, my full-time job role in the army is to do triathlon training and um, focusing on the world champs. But I also keep up my sort of um, professional competencies as a physio because I think that, firstly, I think they complement each other really nicely. Um, and also it's my sort of vocation um, and hopefully in the future I can look to sort of put in the lessons I've learned as an athlete and put that back into helping others. And are you the only athlete with this arrangement right now, especially non-Olympics? You're talking about world championships, I'm assuming Kona and 70.3 worlds, maybe ITU long distance worlds. Yeah, so actually there's only 10 in the entire army. Um, and that's across every sport. So a lot of those are Olympic focused. So we've got boxers, pistol shooting, um, modern pentathlon. So more of the traditional army sports, because obviously that's where we sort of filter into the Olympic programs quite well. Uh, but there are some other people sort of dotting around in, in some other slightly smaller sports. Um, and also we've got the Winter Olympics. So, yeah, there's only 10 slots sort of funded, but there's lots of other army soldiers and officers who are also supported to do quite full-time or part-time sporting roles it's it's a it's a complex little puzzle that they do basically the idea behind all of the sport in the in the military is to push you to be the best that you can be and therefore if you're your best self then the team itself like the army is the best it can be so it's it's sort of a dual purpose if that makes sense and 2020 has obviously been a year where everyone's lives have kind of been disrupted and responsibilities have been shifted and many people with jobs in public service have been working overtime and things like that. So where was the timeline kind of with, you know, your, your role with the army and COVID happening and like, was that affected at all? And has, you know, if you have been full-time triathlon, just have you like has your time in public service just kind of given you a different perspective as you've been balancing triathlon and that and everything else? So actually it's a really good question. Like I really struggled. Like I had a very, like personally, I know it's hard to say that I was so stressed when there's so many other problems in, in the world and people dealing with a lot of other things. But personally I was like really stressed by that exact thing. So my physio army boss was sort of saying, you know, you need to get on with learning about how you're going to um, play your role as a physio in this situation. Because obviously back in March, we didn't know how it was going to develop and that they were looking, the NHS in England were hoping to sort of draw in the military medical care to help sort of support the NHS on like that sort of hospital level. So I was definitely on a list, you know, to say, if we need you, you're, you're going into the hospitals to help. And it took me a while to process that. I was like a bit disappointed with myself initially that I didn't suddenly say, oh my goodness, I absolutely want to go. But it only took me a couple of hours to sort of go through this. Like, of course I want to volunteer. Like if there's an opportunity like that and I can actually do something more important than myself to help, then yeah, 100%. And that's 
I think ultimately like that's why I'm still serving in the army like I it's a it'll always be there but at the same time it also really solidified for me that my dreams are in professional sport at the moment and so for the next like few years I want to just keep plugging away and see what I can achieve at yeah at Kona. And Kat, your 2020 has actually been a bit different from most in the sense that you you did actually race quite a bit. So in addition to Ironman Florida, you also raced and won the Outlaw Triathlon, which was supported by the PTO. You won Ironman 70.3 Talon in Estonia, you, and you raced the National 100-Mile Cycling Time Trial, which you won in three hours and 55 minutes. So you're relatively new to the sport and definitely, probably, I'm assuming, fairly new to time trial. We had a question about that because Ruth mentioned TT biking. So TT stands for time trial, which is a, you know the position with the arrow bars. So first, starting with that, what did you think of that 100-mile time trial effort it's bizarre like time trialing in the UK is really really unique and there's definitely like a bit of a yeah there's a there's quite a close-knit group that normally do it um but what was really nice about this race was that because of COVID there was lots of triathletes also wanting to race so it really sort of changed the dynamic quite a lot I think the pure cyclists were were expecting to do better than they did against us perhaps um and so it was quite nice for us to sort of go and bombard their race a little bit and sort of show them what we had um but yeah it's it's hard because it's obviously when you're doing triathlon you're cycling really hard but with time trialing you are actually cycling at your absolute max and so i i didn't really know how to approach it because i'd only done one long race that one ironman i did last year in 2019 and so I just sort of went at it as a, I'm going to use it as a bit of a test, like where can I push myself to? So I sort of went in at a certain heart rate and just built that and my watts um, throughout the race. And I think like the last hour, I, yeah, like I was, I was right on the sort of up at like 185 or something like heart rate. And I was working very hard and I, um, I couldn't physically like get myself off my bike at the end of that race. Um, I had to sort of be helped like, to lower the bike down and then sort of shimmy off it um, because my glutes are just seized up so much. So clearly that's a like a limit that you can't push yourself to in triathlon. So I learned some really good lessons from that race. Uh, yeah. And it's also really cool, obviously, to have a bit like a, you get like a national jersey, which is quite fun. And did that race give you some confidence going into Ironman Florida, going into your second Ironman ever? And Florida is it's a flatter course. You're usually in that time trial position. Did did your experience there help you, uh, even knowing that you had a marathon to run off the bike this time? Um, no, I don't. I don't actually think it did on the day. I think it did in terms of confidence, like leading up into the race. And it really did for my race that I did a couple of weeks after it, uh, the 70.3 Talon, um, because that one I also led off on the bike and I was able to know what really hard felt like for four hours. So then I thought, well, if I just do that for two and a half, it'll be fine. Um, but for Ironman Florida, like it, I, actually, I just had such a bad day mentally on the bike that I don't think I was able to draw on with any of that confidence that I had already had I don't know um so but I'm hoping like it will all accumulate and be like lessons learned for the future and Kat if someone you know goes in and looks at just your race resume it almost appears that your rise to the top step of the podium was nothing short of like just you know a straight shot right to the top of the podium in a short amount of time but 
I'm, you know, I'm sure it has been kind of a longer journey than that. So can you give us kind of a, you know, a brief synopsis of how you, you know, your background in sport and how you found your way into triathlon? Okay, I'll be brief. (laughs) Um, So I did, as a kid, I did do cross country running at school. I did quite a lot of it. I was quite good. I was quite good. Um, I never made the national team. I did do some swimming training um but it was like maybe two or three times a week as a kid like as a teen and up until my teenage years and then just binned it off because it was boring um and then most of my whole child well all of my childhood from five until like 21 I played like field hockey um to quite a good level and also at the same time as I was playing basketball as well to quite a good level so I basically threw myself into everything um and then triathlon sort of started when I actually when I joined the army there was a swimming pool at work and I lived there as well which sounds a little bit odd but um and they had what bikes and gyms and so I was like oh why not you know put it all together and they had races on during the week so I could sort of say to my boss like how about instead of I working on Wednesday I can go and do this triathlon um and they're really supportive um of people sort of doing sport and um things like fun adventures as well and so, yeah, I did my first sort of like proper triathlon um, in 2015. And then 2015, 2016, I did like age group, um, like GB age group and world, like ITU age group stuff, which was like sprint and standard distance. And I had absolutely no interest in middle distance and or even Ironman until I um, deployed to Canada as a physio with the army in 2018 and that was where there was a local 70.3 in Calgary which I just thought well I'm here I've got a weekend off why not give it a go I had taken my bike out so I could still do some training at the weekends um and so yeah gave that a go uh and won that one and I was like oh well that was fun you know that the idea with middle distance and Ironman that you can like race as an age grouper like any level but then there's a like a straight pathway through to the professional field it's so cool and you don't get that in in like the standard distance and the sprints or in many sports at all so I absolutely love the idea of like there was a never-ending pathway of progression um so yeah trained really hard in 2018 like the rest of the year and through the winter and then 2019 I, I mentioned like I had I raced in Grand Canaria and came really quite close to Emma Pallant, uh, which was gave me the license to race professionally. And then five weeks later, I sort of bit the bullet and raced um, professionally 70.3 Stafford, which then somehow qualified for the world that year already. So at 70.3, so 2019, I then did maybe three or four races, um, which I managed to get a podium in all of them, I think, except obviously for the world's. Um, and then in that process somewhere, I uh, was watching Ironman Talon and I thought, you know, I was, there's loads of my friends are doing it. And I thought, like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. <laughs> and so entered um, Western Australia uh, at the end of 2019. So that's where that sort of process has come from. So it has been pretty straight and pretty steep. Uh, I'm curious a little bit about this you know, growing up doing so many team sports and then triathlon being fairly individual, but you mentioned you are staying with Ruth. Do you train with a squad or you train by yourself mostly like, or are you just able to kind of take that, you know, the, the team skills that you learned in the past and still apply that in a thrive, even in an individual situation? 
Yeah, I think exactly that. Like, I, I actually really love the, like, team ethos around any sport. I th- obviously, that stemmed from being, you know, involved in it as a kid. But I think um, with triathlon, even though you're always sort of performing on your own, there is always the bigger picture of those people who support you. Um, so I do probably 70% of my training on my own. Um, and then maybe uh, the other 20 maybe 20% to get to 90 is with my husband, Mark, who's a really quite a good um, uh, amateur triathlete because he just loves it. Like he has, yeah. And then maybe 10% I'm able to get out and train with other people and um, sort of join in on group stuff as well. But obviously that's a bit hard at the moment with the COVID side of stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it can be quite hard, but I actually really like training on my own. Um, maybe it's a bit sort of, it can be a bit lonely, but uh I just use like audiobooks and music and I find it gives me like a really nice I just enjoy it so it's it's quite good obviously it's way more fun when you're with other people but even though England is quite small everyone's really spread out so it can be quite hard to sort of coordinate training um so but yeah the team the team part for me is massive and I think like I get a lot of that from like the BMC VFIT team and like the army itself I feel like when I'm racing I'm not necessarily doing it all for myself I'm doing it for everyone else as well if that if that's fair I don't know what about right now do you and Ruth train together or do you sneak out while she's still sleeping no I don't know if that, I don't know if that's the <laughs> Are you case kidding? Just... <laughs> Ruth trains like double the amount of hours that I do <laughs> I think, I think my, my like uh, unique selling point in triathlon is going to be like how little how little I train or something <laughs> I feel so lazy at the moment it's ridiculous um yeah, no, we're swimming together like nearly every day. Uh, and that's like roof driven. Like she's basically got me on a swim camp. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good. Um, and then like we're doing relatively individual stuff for the rest of it. I think um, I think it's quite hard, like definitely going into a race like you need to have your own sort of race build. Um, and for me, like I'm running just a little bit. And it's really specific, like it's really set intensities. Um, and then the bike as well like I'm not doing very much volume uh, and a little bit of it is on the turbo as well so we're really fortunate to have those facilities out here as well and what about with your job as a physio do you find that you're your own best friend or your own worst enemy as an athlete (laughs) yeah I think both like uh, sometimes obviously in like in theory you should it should be a real positive um and it is most of the time, like I'm able to pick up on things and think rationally, like when I when I don't get overly anxious, like anxious about it. Like this, this is probably the worst case scenario. This is probably what's actually happening. Like it's okay. And I, but then I do know exactly what I can do in terms of like how much to push it, um, and how much not to push it. Um, so I think that's really good but on the other side the negative is that I'm constantly thinking like constantly processing every little niggle or every little thing that crops up and thinking oh maybe that's maybe uh and so I think it just takes a little bit of getting used to like learning your body and um I've definitely made mistakes but hopefully less mistakes than positives and you're now qualified for both the Ironman World Championships and the 70.3 World Champ- Championships 
I, I know you already, we already talked about living in the now and not thinking too far in the future, but of course we have to ask, um, are you thinking about those races? Are you thinking about prioritizing one or the other? You know, it's St. George, right? Now we're, we're like going all the way to St. George and Kona. Um, do you, do you have a preference? I mean, you mentioned earlier that you, you think you have, you know, this special skills for the shorter distances. Like, what are you thinking? I have definitely got my like eyes and heart set on Kona. Um, they're, they're only like three weeks apart, I think, the 70.3 and, and the and the Ironman. So it's, I mean, it is sort of, it's quite good logistically. There's one bonus of it um, for us traveling over to America. I'm definitely like heart set on Kona. Um, and yeah, they're really close, but uh, I'm going to give it everything, I think, in both races. And maybe if there's a tactical point on the run in the 70.3 World Champs, I make a conscious decision, but I think like at the moment I want to do both races. Yeah. So Kat, after you finished your first iron distance, Western Australia, you did that in 8:53, and you were only a minute behind. I hope I have my facts right here. The army men's record time. <laughs> um, and so now with your 8:40 in Florida this month, can we assuredly say that you have the fastest Ironman time, male or female, for the British Army? Do yep. we need to write to the Queen <laughs> to alert her? Like, is there anyone that we need to make sure they know that, or do they know? I love that. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be. Um, yeah, it definitely is the Army record. Um, the, fu- the other sort of funny fact is that my husband actually was the one who I was uh, only a minute behind. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But he's very proudly um, advertising the fact that he now has 12 minutes to make up on me. Um, although he did he did have Talon down next year to race. And I think that was an attempt to go super fast and try and beat me. But now he seems to have switched his tactics to Mallorca. So um, we'll see about that. Um, no, I, like it's a fun. It's not the army um, like club wise. It's, it's an association where we all just support each other. It's not like this massive competitive zone where records are really like a thing, but yeah, it's quite cool. It's quite nice. We can still send you a plaque if you just want to like hang it on your wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just to rub it in a little, but Kat, you haven't been racing triathlon too long, but we just want to ask before we let you go, do you have any bucket list races that you're looking forward to travel to over the next few seasons when we can like travel freely? Sounds like Kona might be on that list. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's at the top of the list. Um, there has been some chatter uh, sort of here with uh, Ruth and I about Challenge Roth, obviously, because the idea behind setting a, you know, looking at the sort of record side of things that um, Florida's given me. But I know that, you know, you can't just, you can't always get the best performances. So I'm not naive to the fact that it, you know, it's not going to be that easy every time. Um, but yeah, I think it's really it's about Kona for me at the moment maybe once I've done that I'll start to look a bit broader at other races we'll just have to have you back next year and you can tell us after after you get Kona behind you and then (laughs) then we'll see what else you you feel like focusing on but Kat thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today all the best luck as you keep prepping for Daytona and we will be watching and cheering for you thank you so much Haley, I've been doing some research on winter adventures and hiking, and guess what one of the most important gear pieces is for winter hiking? Hmm, a really warm coat, snowshoes, an ice axe? Okay, well, maybe those, but also sunscreen. It's not just a summer product, and that is why my Zelios Sun Barrier is still at the top of my pack. 
Thanks for the tip, Alyssa. If any of our listeners want to top off their hiking packs with Zilio's Sun Barrier or their gym bags with Zilio's Race Relief Recovery Gel, Swim and Sport Shower Products, or Betwixt Anti-Chafe Chammy Cream, use code IRONWOMEN for 20% off at teamzilios.com. We know many of you are working with limited pool time and schedules these days. Thanks, COVID. Is it over yet, Haley? No, I think we still have a ways to go, but we do recommend our listeners check out Form Swim Goggles. These goggles have a smart display so you can see the metrics you need in the moment. They even can show distance in open water swimming now. It's a great way to enhance your swim and maximize that limited time. Head to formswim.com to get your hands on these innovative goggles and make the most of the swim time you have. Kat did go on to race uh, Challenge Daytona. She had a little bit of a rough day there and wasn't able to finish, but she it can still ride high on those wins at Ironman Florida at 70.3 Talon from early in the year. Definitely a great 2020, all things considered. And we'll definitely be looking forward to watching her in 2021 and hopefully in Kona as well as she makes her pro debut there, uh, hopefully October 2021. Definitely one to watch. But thanks again to Kat for coming on the show. That was it's fun to learn more about her. Haley, it's been fun chatting again with you now and kicking off the new year of Iron Women podcast. We do want to say a big thank you to the sponsors who are supporting us in 2021. Uh, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Zelios Skin Care, Form Swim Goggles. Thank you for continued support coming on board again. And of course, we are welcoming Prevenex on board this year and just super grateful for all of the support there. So um, we hope you, our listeners, love our our new ad reads that we're we're giving you, and hopefully you um, will think of them as you're doing some shopping in this new year. Alyssa, have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Keep enjoying this uh, brand new year. Happy 2021. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast, hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.